quickly from the time we started, but it took years to, to get any sort of real traction. And a lot of, you know, talking to nonprofits and, you know, them thinking this is a fad, this is, you know, going to go away in six months. Um, and, you know, the conversations we have now with nonprofits are, are very different than what they were a year ago, and especially two years ago. I'd like to see the economic incentives catch up um, so that people can start putting capital into nonprofits and, and spending more money on solving real problems. Purposely Podcast, speaking with social entrepreneurs and charity founders and leaders, people who are making the world a better place. Here's your host, Mark Longbottom. A really warm welcome to Pat Duffy and Alex Wilson on The Giving Block. Welcome, guys. Hey Mark, thanks for having us. Yeah, kind of definition of what a cryptocurrency is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, more than a definition, it's more kind of the utility of it. I feel like in crypto, they often define it by the, the fundamentals versus like, what is a refrigerator? It, it keeps food cold. Um, with cryptocurrency, there's pretty much three main types of it. One is... Uh, kind of a store of value in terms of the utility. People are moving money into crypto because it's, uh, you know, a store of value with uh, a limited supply. And overall, uh, over a long enough time period, they expect it to outperform other stores of value, you know, things like a house, gold, whatever it might be, that you're leaving your money in as a hedge against inflation. Um, so cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin are viewed that way currently. Um, the next piece, rather than a store of value, kind of like gold, uh, is this kind of market of alternative cryptocurrencies. People call them altcoins. You can think about this like an alternative stock market using crypto assets instead of stocks, but ultimately it's people actively trading, speculating on the prices. Um, you know, some people are, are day traders. They can do that with Bitcoin as well, um, but Bitcoin also has that institutional store of value side. So then there's kind of like the trading aspect of it, moving into and out of assets as you think it's going to be adopted or provides a sort of specific utility that's better than alternative cryptocurrencies. Um, and then the third kind is kind of a, a stable coin. And this is more like a, a currency than the other two actually are. Cryptocurrency, generally speaking, is a misnomer. Usually you can look at cryptocurrencies as something more like, again, gold, stocks, et cetera. A stable coin gives you all the cool functionality of crypto. Uh, you know, you can't alter transaction records. It's an international cryptocurrency. It's not centrally controlled sometimes. Um, and you get all of these cool benefits, this faster moving digital money, but it's pegged to the price of the US dollar. And that allows people to sit money in it, loan it out to other folks without all of that price volatility that would make the accounting a nightmare. And what's the main name of the company? So at a, a pretty high level, you know, our, our mission is all about making it as easy as possible for nonprofits to be able to accept Bitcoin and cryptocurrency donations and for donors to be able to contribute in a, in a more tax efficient way. Um, you know, for a lot of donors in the, in the U.S. and other countries, too, there's a huge tax benefit of donating crypto similar to stock donations. But I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more later. Charities would eventually adopt this as an option for their supporters or you know, new supporters to, to give. Um, and when, when you launched, when you launched the platform, you've obviously been doing outreach to good causes and we'll get it. I really want to dig into your kind of founder story and, and that stuff. I found that fascinating when I was doing the research before, but um, you know, how many charities have you got on your platform so far? What sort of volumes of donations are running through? And then maybe the third trunk of that is, you know, what was sort of, um, if there were, 
hesitations why were people hesitant and what, what is it hard if it's hard to get people over the line why was it hard to get people over the line to, to join yeah so on the the first piece um you know we work with about 200 different nonprofits so far uh, but we've got new ones coming online every single day um as you can imagine with crypto blowing up recently <laughs> so is the demand for crypto donations and although most of the groups we work with so far are based in the US, we're seeing more and more interest internationally, um, of course, primarily from other English speaking countries, uh, like you guys in, in New Zealand and Australia, the UK and Canada. Um, so it's awesome to see that international growth. And then on the, the second part of your question um, around, you know, what, what kind of stops people from accepting crypto? I would say the general thing is still just overall skepticism about cryptocurrency and, and who uses it. I mean, there's certainly a lot less skeptics every day when you see announcements like today that, you know, Tesla's accepting Bitcoin to buy their cars. Um, but there's still, I think, a lot of misconceptions around how many people use cryptocurrency. Um, and then people are often surprised to hear that, you know, there's over 100 million different cryptocurrency users around the world. Tell me a little about leaving your day jobs and really fully going for it. There was always a hesitation, right, to, to leave your, your steady paycheck. <laughs> um, but for a long time, we, we just had to kind of, you know, work nights and weekends in the beginning while we still had that, that income to get things going. And then slowly over time, you know, transitioned to part-time roles at our jobs and then eventually you know, fully, fully took the leap of faith. And yeah, we, we were generating revenue since day one and, and bootstrap things. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just grown incredibly quickly from there. As a you know, kind of your typical for-profit business in the U.S., although all of our, our clients are nonprofits. Um, and, you know, we, we operate in a pretty traditional sense, you know, that we've got, uh, you know, some salespeople, some marketing people, some operational people, and then, of course, a tactical team. Um, so it's, it's nothing, nothing too crazy in terms of the structure, pretty typical. Gives an idea of, of kind of the, of the rates and the business model. And I know you guys give back as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like one really important metric we would want to share just for like donors and folks who listen to us because there's in, in crypto and everywhere, I think there's for folks outside of the nonprofit industry, this idea that everything should be free which of course creates this perverse incentive model where nobody innovates on behalf of nonprofits and nonprofits always lag hopelessly behind and problems get solved at a much slower rate and no one can make a living, et cetera, all the way down the line. Like we're, we're really careful about kind of what our business model is and make sure we proportionately, or, or let's even say like widely disproportionately deliver value to the charities beyond whatever we take in in revenue. Um, uh, an important stat on all of this is pretty much if let's say a charity gets $10,000 in donations, we would want to generate, um, you know, enough in gifts through our platforms, through running campaigns, through fundraisers, marketing, generating donor audiences um, to offset anything we receive from the charities. Uh, to date, we've generated $40,000 for charities um, through our audience for every 10,000 the charities have raised from their existing audiences. Um, so, you know, pretty much we could be I, I guess charging charities $4 for every dollar they raise the platform and it would still be um, disproportionate value. Um, so it's not just like a, a widget that pops on the charity site. It, it's like a really active fundraising process and the growth of the community. And it's been a lot of fun. Example earlier, which, so at the start of this, um, there was disproportionate amount of money going to a few, only a few charities. 
and obviously you know you wanted lupus to your foundation to um you know get some of the magic um but just explain for a lot of people won't know about the pineapple uh pineapple foundation or pineapple trust it was um an anonymous donor um just explain that a bit yeah the pineapple fund was a huge inspiration for for starting the business um and i think kind of the the first major um and, and sort of very public bitcoin donation um, so the Pineapple Fund basically posted on Reddit towards the end of 2017 saying, hey, I made a lot of money investing in Bitcoin. I'm ready to give some of that money away. Uh, kind of, you know, hey, nonprofits apply below. <laughs> and as you can imagine, they, they got a lot of applications. Um, you know, a lot of, I think, nonprofits were pretty skeptical. Like, is this really real? Um, and then the, the donations started coming. In, in some cases, groups got over a million dollars. I think the largest individual gift to a nonprofit was as high as five million. But in total, uh, the Pineapple Fund gave away, I think it was about $56 million worth of Bitcoin to about 60 different nonprofits. Um, and, and to this day, they're, they're still anonymous. Um, and, and I don't think anyone's really heard anything from them since they made those gifts. Incredible. Just on that million dollar donation. So can you talk about the specifics of that and like the motivations of the donor, who the charity was? Yeah, um, for that specific donation, we, we can't highlight the, the individual charity, um, but the motivations of the donor were definitely the tax incentive. And we're seeing kind of the, the organizations that sprinkle in a conversation about the tax incentive are, are getting ahead. Um, and like with everything we do and why we think this stuff is working, we think, um, you know, Half of what we do as a company has absolutely nothing to do with just crypto specifically. It's nonprofits learning to be better at fundraising, learning to be better at digital marketing. They're learning search engine optimization. They're learning to leverage new technologies. They're downloading Canva accounts just to make better thumbnails and participate in campaigns. It's um, a lot of that then boils down. It's kind of the marketing approaches where we see some charities not only saying they take crypto, but writing a blog post about the tax incentive and then circulating that. They go on certain crypto podcasts sometimes. We've got Diane from No Get Hungry playing in poker tournaments with uh, high net worth crypto users. And you see kind of this evolving landscape. Um, the, the main reason people ultimately donate crypto is because of that tax incentive. But the huge uh, swath of the cryptocurrency community doesn't even know that that exists yet. So the yeah. charities who are getting out in front and teaching them about that tax incentive are usually the ones they come back around to and make the gift. Fascinating. Because in the States, it's treated as property, right? Um, cryptocurrency. It's got the yep. same tax treatment from the IRS. Yep. Cool. And so I suppose you've had to get pretty good at those tax um, ramifications globally, right? As you stretch out across the globe. Yeah. Um, and in certain jurisdictions, that tax incentive, again, like us in the US, that's always kind of the main driver. In the places that don't have that unique tax incentive, the main reason people are donating crypto is because you take crypto. Uh, so people generate a bunch of wealth in it. They're holding a lot of it. They're going to pay taxes on it, you know, regardless of when they move out of a position. Um, and they like donating crypto just because it's part of their culture and it's more fun. And they want to support you because they're excited that a, a charity is taking it, especially if it, you know, resonates with them from a mission standpoint. Um, so around the world, even in a bunch of places where the tax incentive doesn't exist yet, where the, you know, tax policies are still catching up. We still see plenty of donation volume from all these interesting people in crypto who are fired up that a charity in their country um, is fired up about crypto too. If our voice continues to get bigger, we'd like to uh, influence the way that people view charities more broadly. We think crypto is a good ecosystem for that. Um, 
pretty much making sure that slowly over time people get uh, more comfortable with the idea of people in the charitable sector at the nonprofits themselves making a living wage and then hopefully eventually evolve to the point of attracting real talent you know say the ceos away from pharma companies over to run something like the american cancer society i'd like to see the economic incentives catch up um so that people can start putting capital into nonprofits and and spending more money on solving real problems yeah and i think with that is a appetite for risk right if we don't um we don't have an appetite for risks in the nonprofit or the um, for-purpose sector, then innovations won't happen and difference won't be made uh, and it will lag behind the, the rest of the, uh, the other sectors, right? Um, and also talent perspective, you know, and, and people being remunerated accordingly. Uh, I think it's a really good point. And it's, I think that's that traditional older view of, of what how charity needs to be and everything needs to be, to be for free it's probably not as prevalent in the younger generation. They kind of get the value proposition. Would that be fair? Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And just one thing, I don't think it takes a lot of risk necessarily as much as it takes um, uh, economic incentives. Like there definitely needs to be more risk-taking in the nonprofit sector, but I don't think a lack of risk-taking is the real issue here. I, I don't think um, uh, charities are, are so afraid of the idea of taking certain risks. I think it's just, um, donors have certain expectations that are set that disproportionately affect uh, charities' ability to economically incentivize the sorts of innovation that actually help them solve the problems they're fighting for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. And um, Alex, for you? Yeah. I, I mean, I think Pat really nailed it. I guess two kind of closing points on it is, you know, one, we want, you know, crypto donations to be, let's say, as common as credit card donations. Um, I think you said in the next five years, that might be a little uh, might be a little aggressive in the next five years, but certainly eventually we want this to be just as common as credit card donations where, you know, pretty much every nonprofit is accepting crypto donations. Um, and then the other point, you know, related to what Pat talked about in terms of the incentives is I think we also, you know, we see crypto as a way to kind of break the cycle of, of nonprofits being behind when it comes to technology. Um, and we're hoping this is a way for them to, you know, kind of stay ahead of the curve, uh, because in some cases, you know, nonprofits are already using cryptocurrency more than some major companies are. Um, so we hope we can kind of continue that trend and then the nonprofits can really lead the way when it comes to cryptocurrency. So how have things been for you guys during COVID? It hasn't been a big issue for me. It would be nice to get the team together more in person, I guess, um, Generally speaking, it didn't affect our market super negatively. We had to adapt certain things about what we do. Um, and then uh, I, I feel like the balance between charities looking for ways to diversify revenue versus the, the hits that certain ones were taking on their budget kind of leveled out. So the market wasn't too badly affected. And then me personally, and then most of the folks in the team, you know, knock on wood, but everyone's been relatively happy and healthy um, without any major hardship or tragedies. And thankfully, the, the company's doing well enough where um, everyone can, you know, take care of themselves, get outside, exercise. Um, so no, I mean, not, nothing really dramatically was affected by it, thankfully. Yeah. And has, has it made you more comfortable with maybe being an all virtual team or for the, in the future? Would you, or you, sounds like you quite like banter in the office. Yeah, it would be nice to get everyone together more, for sure. I think the virtual team is helpful because we have a much wider talent pool, Um but if we could kind of teleport into one location every day for everyone to do their work, I think um, 
it would be easier for everyone to form relationships with one another. I think communication breakdowns would happen a little less frequently. I'm definitely uh, a fan of if all else is held equal, I think people work better all in one place working as a team. But I think if you weigh that against the, the talent pools that you can tap into while working across the board and there's a million other considerations on that side, I think they've leveled out pretty evenly for us. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, incredible times really. Yeah. And um, like you'll say, your business models held up, which is it's just been great for you guys. Um, but I'm sure it was a, a year ago, almost to this day, pretty scary times when you're um, bootstrapped, you know, you've got money invested, um, you put all your life, heart and soul into this. Uh, and I imagine, you know, tricky at times. Um, massive thank you for joining me on Purposely Podcast. And um, I'm just I, I know that you guys can find some gluten-free beer though. I'm sure you can. So you can enjoy, enjoy that beer together or Pat <laughs> is just, beer is just not something you enjoy anymore. Yeah. I, I replaced my love of beer for a love of Bitcoin. Good. That sounds very sensible in this current market. Um, and, and either of you, um, you know, either yourselves or know someone who's going out to buy a Tesla tomorrow with um, the, this new uh, tweet from Elon Musk. <laughs> I, I don't think i'll be buying a, a tesla anytime soon but uh you know who knows maybe in the in the future that's how we'll all be buying our cars <laughs> yeah ex- exciting times um thank you guys yeah thanks so much for having us on thanks mark thanks for listening to purposely podcast i hope you like what you're hearing please subscribe and leave a review